0: Good morning. I always like this story about the church and the pastor got up one Sunday and said, let's all say that word we learned at church this week. And one of the kids yelled out, bingo. (laughs) Uh, Well, he wanted amen, but uh, good morning and glad to see you. And... uh, One prayer request I have, I see in the last couple weeks I've already been through urgent care, been to my doctor, and I still can't hear out of my left ear for about 12 days now. So I landed on a flight and my hearing just kind of popped on my left ear and it hasn't come back. So I'm going to find if maybe the prayers of this church will work better than medical science has to this point in my life, and I believe it will. So thank you for that. just what Good Friday is really just going to kind of be, uh, if you think of it maybe like as a longer than normal communion service, we're going to bring the cross down on the floor and we're going to have a chance for you to have a card to write something that you would like to nail to the cross on Friday night. We'll be uh, having the bread and the cup together It's not going to be like a long sermon. It's going to be some music, and, and it'll be like, first of all, we'll do the body. Then we'll have a little break, and then we'll have some more verses and song, and then we'll have the cup, you know, and we'll just be remembering what Jesus did. And the deacons decided, rather than just have a normal communion today, with Good Friday so close, let's just take that opportunity, and I support that decision. So, uh, and on Easter, we're going to have a great service, so we're going to celebrate the the resurrection. We're going to talk about how exciting it is that you don't have to die, you know, and that there's, uh, there's something beyond this world, which is better than this world. There was a guy who came up to Billy Graham one time and said, Dr. Graham, is there going to be sex in heaven? And he gave the best answer I think anybody could give that answers almost every question you have. He says, that or something better. That or something better. And I think we look forward to heaven, uh, and we just cannot, as Paul wrote, no eye can see, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for us. It's beyond, beyond. So uh, we're going to just celebrate a little bit of that uh, uh, next Sunday and kind of talk through, as we're doing today, we're going to talk through Palm Sunday. Next week, we'll talk about the resurrection morning again and the impact it had. Um, We're going through our our study, Journey to Jerusalem, we're calling it, and uh, you may notice that we have a little uh, spot up in the upper right part of the slides, and that's because the problem we had was uh, on the YouTube to have... uh, to have the slides up there and and the image are both hard so uh can you put up one of the slides up there and uh and you can see up in the upper right corner there there's there's more space now than there used to be and that's so that's on on youtube you'll see there's a little box up there where you can actually uh see me and they they thought given given my handsome uh countenance it was better to have it small on the screen so uh, uh, but that's why we kind of reformat things a little bit that way Uh, let's pray father as we go into that great day of days when you came into uh, the holy city of jerusalem we pray that you would uh, help us uh, to find a fresh look at it with with new eyes today and once again see just part of the wonder of who you are in jesus name amen the script for Palm Sunday comes from Psalm uh, Psalm 118. I, I don't think we realize that a lot of times. A lot of people don't, unfortunately, know the Bible as, as well as uh, as maybe they used to. And but for a Jew uh, who lived uh, and was constantly immersed in the Scripture, it would be very familiar. And in Psalm 118, it starts off with a familiar verse. Here, uh, go ahead forward one. This is the day the Lord has made. Notice that that's verse 24. Uh, We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, it's interesting that on this particular day that's going to end uh, with a crucifixion on Friday, that it says that, because the very next verse says, please, Lord, please save us. And you'll see that save us there comes from two words. Uh, It's Hosanna, but it's Hosey, save, Anna, pray. God, I pray that you would save us. I think uh, when I was a boy, I used to think that Hosanna was they were just all like praising him. It was like a a praise word. And as you get older, you realize it wasn't a praise word. It was a prayer word. And it was, God, save us. Uh, So let's practice our Hosanna right now, okay? Let's all say that new word we learned in church, Hosanna. Ready? One, two, three. Hosanna. Now, I would like you to say... That and remember that because there's going to be times in your life you're going to need a quick prayer and a short prayer. And how about this? Hosanna. God, save me. God, help me. Jesus, be with me. Please, Lord, it says, please save us. Please, Lord. You'll notice how how many times, please, 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 please give us success. Begging God for those things. And then the very next verse, 26, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. So the things that people said on Palm Sunday, Hosanna, and here, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord, are quotations from Psalm 118. So 118 was kind of the script uh, for that day. And on that day when Jesus, uh, here's kind of a picture, you know, of him riding on the the, uh, donkey in the back. For some reason, the TV in the back isn't hooked up, so I can't see anything. But uh, the day that he comes riding in uh, on that uh, colt. And I've always been glad, uh, whatever happens later with the fickleness of the crowd and with the crucifixion, I've always been glad that at least one day in his life on earth there was a parade and a celebration for Jesus. And he he knows what's going on. He's not naive. He understands fully what's going to happen, and yet he still at least had this day of some kind of recognition by people in this world. As William White said, it was a day of temporary triumph because you look at the week ahead of him. It, I mean, look at what he had to go through. Triumphal entry this day, uh, betrayal by Judas, uh, desertion by his disciples, you know, denial by Peter, uh, beatings, a public trial, uh, imprisonment, crucifixion, and then death. I'm not sure uh, I'd be real happy looking at a week like that to embrace that particular day. And you'll see how already the church is beginning to switch focus now from the Sabbath day, Saturday, to the Lord's day, Sunday, and how this happens on a Sunday, that this happens coming into the city uh, of Jerusalem. And it says in Luke, we've been going through Luke for this uh, series on, on the journey to Jerusalem. The route that Jesus took, as he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of the Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. So let's go back to our map for a second. You'll kind of see now. Now we're coming all the way to just two miles outside of Jerusalem. And the route Jesus is going to take into the city is he's going to come uh, up to the top of the Mount of Olives, come down through the Kidron, little Kidron Valley there, come back up into the holy city of Jerusalem. And as he comes uh, through this last time, he comes to the Mount of Olives and he can see... Uh, He can see everything that's ahead in the city from that that height. I think some of you have been to Israel, and you know that the Mount of Olives these days is a very prominent place where really, I I think, thousands of Jewish people are buried. That's like the huge graveyards are up the side of of the hill there. And he uh, says in the next verse here, 30, go into the village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. My, my dad had a good friend, Pastor J.D. Hamill, at the Brethren Church on Shade Street in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, Pastor Hamill told about a Sunday when a jockey came to the church. And the jockey, it was Palm Sunday, and he saw that, and he said, that is an unbelievable story, because that colt, he said, I've, I've had to break 15 of those colts. Those are what we call like a Syrian colt. He says, that is the most stubborn, most difficult animal to have to break, and yet it says that this was an animal that no one had ever ridden on, and Jesus Is asking for that animal to be brought to him and he gets on this animal without anything without the animal fighting or without anything going on at all he said that's an amazing story of who Jesus was he says and then the, the, the jockey you know thinking about the horse again said just think about it there's children there screaming there's people there waving fronds all over they're throwing garments down in front of him they've got all this stuff going on in a colt that has never been ridden and just peacefully goes, you know, a couple miles down the hill, up the hill into Jerusalem. He says, he says this guy has got to be the prince of peace if he can uh, command even an animal like that that's never been ridden. Verse 31, if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt, just say, the Lord needs it. I want you to see that, again, Jesus had prepared a lot of this. Very careful planning here again. And uh, there's, I guess, like we would call it a code word or something. You know, why was the colt tied up out there? Why was it all set for them? And why was it when they came to get it that the question is asked is, is why are you taking it? Verse 32, so they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So the kind of the code word has been spoken, and now uh we have we have the animal. Verse thirty-three. We see his courage here because as he brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their garments over it. They didn't have a saddle for him to ride. Uh Why was he courageous as he's getting all this ready? Because at the same time, in John's gospel, by the way, Palm Sunday is one of the only stories, really, that we have uh, the story in all four of the gospels. So we have four different accounts of this. And in John's account, he says the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. And so the word is out. Anybody who finds him, you know, we're going to arrest him. There may be a gift, a bounty for it even. But if you see Jesus, if you know where he is, uh, let us know. And what does Jesus do? He comes riding right in the center in Jerusalem. The fearlessness of, the, of Christ to come and face this, uh, this awful few days he's going to have ahead. But to boldly come into the city. Verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down, so he's up at the top now, now he's starting to go down the Mount of Olives. Uh, and this is the place along the way, by the way, John adds in, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, gee, where did we just hear those words? Oh, wait, Psalm 118, exactly quoted. And it uh, it. it is only, by the way, in John's gospel that he talks about palms. Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke do not talk about palm branches at all. Only John adds that detail. And as we know, the, probably the earliest gospel was Mark, and then Matthew and, and Luke come later, and then John is the, is the very last one to come. And he adds that detail that evidently he felt was important and, and shouldn't be left out. All of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all of the wonderful miracles they had seen. Now again, we're remembering when we were looking at Lazarus that it said that uh, a lot of people began to believe in him because of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. So now because of the miracles, plural, but especially the one of Lazarus coming forth uh, out of the grave the people it says all of his followers now how many followers did he have at this point you know i think some people say well he had those 12 disciples no he had those 12 disciples he had you know women who would take care of all of their needs one of the stories we don't talk a lot about is uh, jesus it tells us there were especially five women who took care of the food for him and all the disciples they, they, they paid for the food. They fed, fed Christ and the, and the uh, disciples. And, uh, and we know there's 120 that are following him at this point. So we're talking hundreds and hundreds of people, this entourage. And all of these people, as they're coming into Jerusalem, they're shouting and singing, praising God. No, wait. Who are they praising? They're, are they praising Jesus? They're praising God for all the wonderful miracles they've seen. They, they understood what Christ had told them, that it all goes back to God. In Acts 2, it tells us that Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. So it says that Jesus, part of his, his certification, his accreditation, was the miracles that he did, and the people saw those miracles, and they realized that God was at work. Now we're back to verse 38. Verse uh, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in highest heaven. So again, the words of 118 quoted. As they're singing, what are they singing? What are they shouting? Scripture pretty normal if you study Jews there were a number of of psalms that were called the psalms of ascent and as people would come into the city of Jerusalem for different worship times these are the songs that people would sing along the way as they were coming into the city that'd be weird wouldn't it if uh you know you're up, up by the front door and this morning, if uh, everybody kind of came in the church and everybody was kind of like singing one of the praise choruses as they came walking in, it'd be a little different, wouldn't it? Uh, but, you know, they're, they're singing Scripture as they come into that place of, uh, of celebrating the, the entry into Jerusalem. Well, <laughs> welcome to the reality of life. I, uh, one of the great translators of the Bible is J.B. Phillips in his, his book that he wrote about translating the New Testament, it was called The Ring of Truth because he said that as he had studied the Scripture, he just felt that there was a ring of truth about it. Uh, and it's stuff like this. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Now, wait, what are they saying? They're saying, bless, bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory, glory to God, glory to heaven, singing songs of praise to God, celebrating God's work and the miracles. And the Pharisees, supposedly the godly people, are saying, you should tell everybody to shut up. We don't like, we don't like the way this, this is going on. Uh, he, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road... Would burst in the chairs, I would have liked to see that maybe we 'll get maybe we can ask him to do that someday in heaven that 'd be kind of fun to see wouldn 't it? Uh, I can remember when I was in college, I can remember that back in the the hippie days, you know there were there were people who thought maybe a, a little too much LSD or something, but they actually thought that the, you could talk to the rocks and you could hear the rocks communicate with you and stuff and and uh, But to hear the stones cry out, Jesus is saying, you know, all of nature, the world is celebrating this event. Zechariah 9, rejoice, O people of, I- of Zion, shout in triumph, o people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt you'll see that it's prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling now. It's what Zachariah had said was going to happen is what's happening. Ann Weems wrote this. Uh, we're good at planning. Give us a task force and a project and we're off and running. No trouble at all. Going to the village, finding the cult, even negotiating with the owners is right down our alley. And how we love a parade... In a frenzy of celebration, we gladly focus on Jesus and generously throw down our coats and palms in his path. And we can shout praise loudly enough to make a Pharisee complain. It's all so good, the parade. It's between parades that we don't do so well. We don't do so well from Sunday to Sunday, for we forget our hosannas between parades. And the stones will have to shout because we won't. Her point is that a lot of people are really good Sunday Christians. Sunday morning, really good. It's Monday through Friday that maybe it's not so good. When I was a youth pastor in Iowa, I went to uh, see a man, and he, uh, he was not the most uh, spiritual man in the church uh, Uh, his daughters were in my youth group and, and they, they, they liked me and his wife liked me, but you know, he kind of would tolerate people from the church. And if we got him to show up, it was a good day. And I was there the day that he was uh, shipping hogs that day. And I have never heard such a litany of, 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 God awful profanity and uh, swearing and cursing and hitting hogs with hammers and two by fours and and just uh, and then all of a sudden he turned and he saw me there and he just instantly kind of shut up. Uh, a lot of times it's Monday through Friday. That's the hardest. My grandfather was an electrician. My dad's dad and uh, he talked about when he became a Christian he had come out of a street gang in Chicago, and he, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you get, a little, you get a little 110 or something if you've ever worked with electricity. You get a little reminder that there's something there, or you get, uh, you smash your thumb or something, and he said, watching Dad after he became a Christian, just trying to control his words was so difficult, you know, for him. And, and we get that. We understand that it's easy to praise on Sunday. It's a little harder to keep it going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I've tried hard throughout my life to preach in a different way. I use a lot of visuals because I know if I talk to you, you'll maybe remember 15%, but the statistics say if I show it to you and talk to you about it, you'll remember 75, 80% of it. So I try to do it in a way that you're going to remember most of it. And here's the greatest test for me is if I can talk to you on Tuesday... And you can remember the, what the sermon was about Sunday and something that you heard, impacted you in a different way on Tuesday that you can tell me from Sunday. Then I'll know we're finally achieving this. But you know what the reality is in most churches? You talk to people on Tuesday, Wednesday, they have no idea what the Sunday sermon was about. You know, all they care about is was it done on time? And uh, especially during football season. Uh... Going on, 41, he's at the top of the hill now. We look in the panorama of Jerusalem. As he came closer, he saw the city ahead he began to weep. His great concern for the, the people, of the lost in that city. The word for weeping here, F.B. Meyer wrote, does not mean mere tears. It suggests rather the heaving of the chest and the sob and cry of a soul in agony. We could have no stronger word than the word that is used here. Matthew 23, we know he cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Hebrews tells us, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears, and God heard his prayers. Uh, you know, you get older. I, I think it's older. Uh, I've cried more than I used to cry. Uh, when I when I see uh, somebody in, uh, in Mississippi or Arkansas standing in front of uh, what used to be their house, and there's just not even a wall standing anymore. When I saw uh, churches in Arkansas where the roofs had caved in and the whole place was flooded, and they didn't know where they were going to have services even now for Easter what they were going to be able to work out. Uh, it touches me. I get emotional about it. When I watch those children at that Covenant Presbyterian school uh, and I see that of the people, the three kids who died, one of them was the pastor's daughter. It touches me. I try to work well and provide this school to help kids and a lot of kids who had special issues educationally and other things and then somebody just comes in and just throws this horror into their lives uh, it touches me and i think it's a spiritual thing to do to to grieve over the the sin and pain in this world at times jesus said how i wish today that you of all people you're in jerusalem for crying out loud, that you would understand the way to peace but now it's too late, and peace is hidden. It's there, but you can't even see it. Anne wrote. Anne Weems wrote, "There is but one face, whose holy eyes won't turn away, but focus on us and weep." Jesus continues. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls, encircle you, and close in on you from every side. They'll crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. You did not. You know, the Son of God comes to you He offers you the Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, offers you salvation, offers you eternal life, offers you forgiveness, cleansing. And you know what? You reject it. You had a chance, and you know what's going to happen? And Jesus is talking about something that's going to happen within the next 40 years. We know from history the Romans are going to come in. They're going to desecrate the temple. They're going to tear down so much of the city of Jerusalem, and they're going to tear the walls down, and they're going to just oppress the people mercilessly. The Romans are just going to come in and just run roughshod over the whole city. And Jesus is already seeing the walls collapse, the families destroyed, and just the terror that's going to happen was augustine who said christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all and so we come to jesus christ our opportunity for salvation even now if we'll just open our eyes and see it it's amazing when you think about it some people say it's just it's too easy to become a christian you know, you just, you ask God to forgive you. You say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then you get to go to heaven. That's just too easy. And I like what, uh, what uh, Ruth Graham Bell said. She said, it has to be simple. Do you want, do you want children to be able to understand it? Do you want someone with special needs to be able to understand it? Do you want people who are em- emotionally or mentally have limitations to be able to be in heaven one day? Then it's got to be Simple. But Jesus said that you've got to have the faith of a child. You can trip and fall down over the simplicity of the gospel. And he says you have a chance, but you have to accept your opportunity. Nobody can do that for you. People, I, I, I'll meet people, and I'll say, well, what do you do? I say, well, I'm a minister. I say, oh, I got an uncle who's a minister. My grandfather was a minister. And I'm kind of, I mean, if I was honest, I'd say, yeah, well, who cares? I mean, that 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 doesn't impress me at all that you had somebody in your family who was a minister. I want to know where you are with God. I don't care necessarily where your grandfather was. That was a long time ago. What about you? What's your relationship with Christ? You have the opportunity to embrace him. Like Jesus, Guinness writes, we are free to feel what it is human to feel. Sorrow at what is heartbreaking, shock at what is shattering, and outrage at what is flagrantly out of joint. To pretend otherwise is to be too pious by half and harder on ourselves than Jesus himself it was. It's okay to look at this sinful world to watch Vladimir Putin shooting off rockets and drones and bombs and killing normal people just walking the streets of cities in Ukraine and have no understanding why in the world this cruelty is going on. One of, us, one of the pastors I mentor is a pastor of the largest Baptist church in Riga, Latvia. His name is Mattis, and I was talking to him this week, and he said, you know, it's really scary because we have a guy uh, from Latvia that I've heard and talked to, and he grew up in the Ukraine, and then he left Ukraine when the war started, and he went up to, uh, to Russia for a week, and after a week in Russia watching the media, reading the newspaper, hearing the way people were talking. After one week in Russia, he said, boy, I think it's really great what we're doing for those people in Ukraine. How, how we're trying to rescue those people in Ukraine. He said it took, it took the, the communist system one week to turn this man around. From understanding what he knew when he lived in Ukraine to thinking that somehow uh, he just began to believe the lies. It's, it's okay to be mad at that. It's okay to be mad at cancer. It's okay to hate someone who is dying of disease or because of a foolish accident from a drunk driver. Last night, one of my friends had a, a one-year anniversary for the death of her daughter. Her daughter was uh, two weeks away from graduating at a college in Arizona, and she was uh, coming home for the weekend, and a drunk driver hit her and killed her. It's okay to be angry at that kind of stuff in this world. But, you know, we are the ones who have to make the key choices about who and what we are, how we choose to live Monday through Friday, and how we choose to make a difference in the world. In John 12, the Pharisees saw all that was going on, and they said, we've lost. On Palm Sunday, their last word was, the whole world has gone after him. Wouldn't it be nice if that was true? But we know that within a few days they're going to be crying out, crucify him. You see, it's our choice. It's always our choice that determines what happens. Father, I pray that you will help us to make the right choices in life. The things that we choose to exclude, the things we choose to include, the things we embrace... The things we reject, the decisions we make to follow Christ, to grow in Christ, or the decisions we make to be too busy for all that. Give us the wisdom to be able to see the eternal values that we need to develop as followers of Jesus. And just in your own heart, right now, you can just pray and say, Lord, it's my choice. I choose peace. I choose the Prince of Peace. I want a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Come, be part of my life today. Let's stand together. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, amen. And together we close with that new word we learned at church, which is one, two, three, Hosanna. God bless you.